So we're in um, Packers, Bears, Vikings country. Like that. And, um, and I don't say that. I'm a Patriots fan, so I'm, I'm sorry for all of you guys. Um, but the other day I'm walking and I see a guy wearing a Bears hat and a Packers jersey. And, I, and it just, I couldn't figure out for the life of me how that works. And, and, um, and so, you, you know, you want to go up and ask him, and said, why is that? And he goes, well, it just depends on who's winning, <laughs> which you could just say, well, it's the Packers, obviously. It doesn't matter. So, um, but just the idea that, that he was saying, you know what, I'm willing to compromise. And we would look at that and say, that just seems silly that you would, you would wear two different teams and walk around like proud of that. But, you know, there are so many times in our lives when that's the way it is for us spiritually, that we wear two different jerseys or a hat and a jersey. We're one for God, and then we'll wear another one for the world. And we walk around compromising what we believe, depending on the circumstances and the situation. And we're going to look at this this morning as far as what, uh, some three guys that were challenged to compromise what they believed and what happened through that. If you've got your um, Bibles, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a chair Bible, um, page 669. And I encourage you to just keep that open because we're going to be going back and forth through that for a little bit today. So, Daniel chapter 3, we're going to start with verses 1 through 6. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and nine feet wide, and set it on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out, People of all races, nations, and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the, the sound of the horn, flute, thither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. So we have, and this is where it's kind of nice. I had my wife kind of look over my notes, and it's nice that she did that because I had the statue. The statue was 90 feet high. 90 feet high. And in my notes, I had it was 90 feet wide. All right. Which would have been a giant box. But and so she looked at it and she goes, it was 90 feet wide. And I'm like, what? Oh. So I'm glad that she looked that over. 90 feet high. Nine feet wide. Nebuchadnezzar makes the statue and he puts it out and he says, when this music plays, everyone bows down. You bow down. And you worship this statue. And that was the command. Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendigo, or if you might be familiar with Rack, Shack, and Benny, um, if you know VeggieTales. These three guys were part of this leadership that was called in. And they were part of this group that was told, when this music plays, you're to bow down and you're to worship this statue. So they had, a, they had the decision to make. They could, they could bow down and betray their God, because in Exodus 20, 4 and 5, we look at the Ten Commandments. Here's, here's what one of them says. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind 
or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. That was what God had commanded his people. <clears throat> so now we have, we see where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are now in a place where they know what God has commanded, but they're also being commanded, you bow down or you're thrown into this furnace. That was the option that they had. So they could betray what they knew was to be right and bow, or they could refuse to bow and, and maintain their faith in God and suffer the consequences of that. So we're going to go on, starting with verse 8. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed, the, informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, flute, thither, <coughs> lyre, <coughs> harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into the blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. So we, we look at that and... We see that this issue went out, bow down before the statue when the music goes. And, and it says here that some of the, who was it, go back here. Basically it was the Chaldeans, but some of the, the uh, wise men came up and they went to the king and said, hey, you made this decree, but there are certain people who refuse to bow down. And the reason that these men, we believe, came up and they and they made these accusations was because Daniel was was in charge over all the land here. Let's let's read this here. Let me find my my verses here. Give me a second here. All right, I'm going to summarize it because I can't find my verses. So all right, so Daniel was put in charge over all the provinces. But then he asked, he said, Can I, I want Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be put in these high places as well. And what happened was they were put in places, they're foreigners. Remember that they came in, they were captured, and they were, they were brought into Babylon. And as they, they came in, they, they were the cream of the crop when they were brought in. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and, and Abednego, and others were brought in, and they, and they rose in power to the point where there were people that lived in Babylon who should have had these positions that they had. And these are the men who came up 
to the king and said, hey, they're not bowing down. They're refusing to bow down and, and listen to what you have, what, what you've said. And so they come in because they're looking out for themselves. And we're going to look at that in a second, a little bit more. And they're saying that, if, that they should be killed because they refuse to do that. And so D- Daniel goes on. And, and the interesting thing is, is that we, we look in the book of Daniel. It says, our God, they go before the king. They said, our God can protect us. Our God will protect us. But then it goes on and it says in verse 18, but even if he doesn't, O majesty, we refuse to bow down. So they said, our God is strong enough to protect us. But then it goes on and says, but even if he doesn't, for whatever reason, we still refuse to bow to another God. So they, they, you look at their faith and they, they trusted God was powerful enough, powerful enough to save them. But they also said, but even if he doesn't, he's got a higher plan. He's got something greater in store. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And that's why I've said this before. I said, thank God I worship a God who is smarter than me. How many here would say, I'm, I'm so excited that I'm as smart as the God I worship. That'd be pretty sad. But yet, if we're honest, that's a lot of times the reality. Is that we think we're as smart as God. And we sit there and we worship a God, and we sit there and go, he's on my level. And man, that's kind of scary. If my God's on my level, man, we're in real trouble. So, but they said they would serve God no matter what. It didn't matter what was going on. They were going to serve God. They resolved to do what was right, no matter what happened to them. Faith, see, faith is trusting in God no matter what people say, no matter how you feel, or what we want. True faith is, is facing life's flames and staying with God and trusting in Him. We're going to go back to Daniel chapter 3, verses 19. So now we've got it to where the king has come out. He's furious because they refused to do what the king has ordered. To bow down. So verse 19 of Daniel chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So he tied them up, threw them into the furnace, fully dressed with their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, Majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men, unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. So we we look at this and we say, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refused. And so the king said, all right, you're going to be thrown into the furnace. But not only the, the furnace that we had set up for you, I want it seven times hotter. 
seven times hotter than normal. And when they did that, when, when the men went to throw them in, they were killed. The men that were throwing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace got killed because of the heat of the fire. And so they're thrown in there, and the king obviously thinks they're dead. And it's one of those things where if you can picture this, this is kind of what, what it would probably look like, is you picture a train tunnel as you, you're going in, you can, and you can kind of see how wide open that is. That's kind of what it would look like. And so as you're looking in, you can see the fire, and you can see everything going on in there. So the king looks in, and all of a sudden he goes, wait a minute, how many guys did we throw in? And they're like, three? And he goes, I see four walking around unbound. And the fourth looks like a god, he says. And a lot of different people go back and forth on who the fourth was. But, but I think we can all pretty much say that it wasn't Daniel. It wasn't an, another human. It was God of some form that was in there with them. So the king looks in, and then it, it tells us later that he's amazed, and he comes out and he, and he says, you know, he, he says, tells them to come out. And they come out, and the coolest thing about this is, like, this is where my mind goes, is it comes out and they says they didn't even smell like smoke. All right, if you've ever been to a campfire for five minutes and you walked away, you know that you stink, like, I'll get out. Here these guys are, they're in a burning furnace, and they come out, Nothing. They're not burnt. There's nothing. And they don't even smell like smoke when they come out. So, I mean, and it goes, that's where my mind goes. For all the stuff that, that we can think about, I'm sitting there going, they didn't even smell like smoke. Oh, cool. So, so um, but they trusted God in the flames, and they said that we're going to trust you. We completely trust you, God. And, and that we know that God can protect us. And we see in these verses that he did. And they submitted to God's will over their own. And Job, Job in 13, Job 13, 15 says, God might kill me, but I have no other hope. So just like Job, these men are saying, you know what, I could lose my life, but where else would I put my hope? Where else would I put my hope? Because if I, if I lose my life here, I go to a far better place. And, and that's, that's what they could, they could look at. So faith means trusting God and his word, even when we, we do not understand what's going on. So in times of testing, God's people fight fire with faith. When we get to those times in our life, and we're going to look at that in a second, where the fire comes into our life, those flames come into our life, those hard times, do we trust God? Do we trust that we have a God who's strong enough to protect us, to get us through whatever it is that we're going through? Because they had, to, they had to bow down to an idol that was made out of gold. Today, we don't have idols that we're forced to bow down to. But I would like to say that I believe that we bow down to an idol every day. You and I, every day, bow down to an idol. And it's the idol of, of ourselves. We bow down to the idol of ourselves every day. Because everything that we do is always about money Pride and ego, power, and it started back with Adam and Eve. Everything was going great. They were walking with God, and then all of a sudden Satan came in and said, you know what, you, everything out here you can eat from but that one tree? It's like, why do you think he said that? Why do you think God, God's holding out? God's holding out because he knows that if you eat from that tree, you're going to be like him. 
You will be like God. All of a sudden, Adam and Eve were like, that's what we want. They ended up turning, going against what God wanted, and sin came into the world. And that's why we look at the world we have today. And Satan will do everything he can to get us to worship ourselves. If it get us off of worshiping God. And in so many different ways that that can happen. So we don't necessarily bow to an idol that's made in front of us. But every day we struggle with bowing down to the idol of ourselves, our pride, our ego, the power or the money that we can get. And, and that's the struggle that we have. See, the fires in our life, when we think about the flames that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went through, the fires in our life are those difficult or hard times that come into our life that we have to deal with. Difficult or hard times that we have to deal with in our lives. And I like to say there are three fires that we're going to look at today. The first one are the fires that come because we're just dumb. All right? We're just dumb. We make dumb choices, and we've got to deal with the consequences of those hard, those hard um, decisions that we make. I was in a freshman in high school. I was out in, in Westfield, Indiana, living with my father, and there's a cornfield in the back of our house. <coughs> and we were out there, you know, it was after school, but before my, my father got home. And I, and I was out there, and, and I don't mind teaching on, on this passage because I'm a pyromaniac. Anyone? Any, I'm a pyromaniac. I love fire. And, and so I was out there in the backyard, and I was just kind of taking these matches and like, you know, and then you're stepping on it, and you're like, and then you step on it. Well, I did one, and I thought I'd stepped on it. And then I went back because I was on a roll. I had a whole book to go through. And did another one. And all of a sudden, I don't know if you, I mean, you guys are from this area, so you know that corn stalk, when it's dry, it burns. It's really weird. I mean, and it can burn pretty quick. All of a sudden, it started catching. And all of a sudden, this flame started going. And I was freaking out. I was like, oh, no. And so I'm out there, and I'm stomping, stomping, going through this whole thing. And, and I finally got it out. And by the time I got it out, there was black. Like, it was a, it was a good amount of, of black over, over the field. And unfortunately, it, was, it wasn't our field. It was, you know, like whoever we rented from. And so all this, this cornfield was, was all dark and black. And I had, at the time, my Chuck Taylor um, tennis shoes, which if you know anything about those, they're just made out of rubber. And I'm, I'm a scientist, and I figured out that rubber and fire never ends well. And so I came in, and I'm not kidding when I say my shoes were melted. And I'm walking into the house, and there's rubber-like steps going into the house. So I go in, and I'm sitting there going, all right, my dad's going to be home pretty soon. I've got to figure out what to do here. And so he comes in, and he goes, you know, he didn't notice that. All of a sudden, he's like, what's that smell? Rubber smells bad, by the way. And he's like, what's that smell? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, like trying to hide. I, I had my shoes on still because I'm an idiot freshman who doesn't know any better. I'm like, take your shoes off, throw them in the woods or something. And he goes, what's wrong with your shoes? And I'm like, huh, I don't know. And then he, and then he goes out and, he, and then he looks in the backyard and he goes, what in the world is going on? And I was like, what happened? I look out and I go, what happened out there? 
I can't believe this. And the whole time, I'm dealing with the consequences of that. And I look at him and say, that was a literal fire I was going through. I literally went through the fire. But I went through the consequence of that. But the reason I did was because of dumb choices that I had made. And so sometimes we go through fires in our life because of just dumb choices that we make. Sometimes we go through fire because we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world because of starting back with Adam and Eve. So we deal with cancer. We deal with death of loved ones. We deal with wars. And a lot of times, most of the time, it's not because we made a bad choice and that happened. It's because we live in a world that's sinful. And because of that sin, this is some of the stuff that happens. This is not something God says, boy, I'm so happy that's going on. It comes because of sin in the world. And we live in a fallen world. And so sometimes the fires that we deal with are because of that. But then sometimes the third one is, is because the fires come because we're obedient to God. Because we decide we're going to take a stand for integrity no matter the cost. And when we do that, we could lose our job. We could lose our friends. We could lose a promotion. There's a lot of things that can happen in our society today because if we stand for integrity, if we say, this is what I believe God wants me to stand for, I'm not going to compromise on this. It could end up costing us something. So it could be because of dumb choices. It could be because because we live in a fallen world, or it could be because we are obedient to God. And that's what I want to look at just for a few minutes here, is that third one of when we go through fires in our life, the hard times, because we're obedient to God. Look at Daniel 3.25. It says that the only thing, it says that they were bound when they went in. This is the cool thing about this, is that they were bound up when they went in. What is the only thing that burned when they were in there, it was their chains. It was the things that were, that were binding them up. And they went through that fire, and, that, and they were released. I think that's kind of cool that their clothes weren't touched, nothing else, but the ropes, the chains, whatever it was that they were bound with, that's what was gone when they went through that. And, w- and when we look at that, we look at the hard times that sometimes we go through, and we say, God, why is it that I'm going through this? Because sometimes he wants to free us from what's binding us. Sometimes he, he wants to free us because there are things, there's unforgiveness, there's fear, there's hatred in our life. And God says, I'm going to have you go through this fire because I want to free you from that. And sometimes it's the fire that we have to go through to do that. When Susie and I were finishing up our schooling, we were interning at a camp up in Wisconsin. And we were working there, and the only money we were making that whole year <coughs> was when Susie worked at the, the gift shop. And she'd, she'd make, you know, a few dollars an hour <coughs> and only working probably five, ten hours a week maybe. And that was the only money that we had. So we didn't have much money at all for the entire year that we were, that we were um, living on. So we were scraping and, and, and trying to do everything we could to kind of get by. And, and then all of a sudden we, we, we needed a car. So we, we got a car. We, somehow we, we got the money together to buy this car. And it was, it was a nice-looking car. And we got it back, and we realized it was nice-looking because they had just painted it. 
because there was a rust bucket and there was and it was just a piece of junk. And we got back and we drove it for a couple weeks and I was like, yeah, check out my car. And all of a sudden, like three days, four days into it, it's like all of a sudden you see this rust coming through. And then within probably a month, it died. And it was going to cost us well over $1,000 to get this fixed. No way we had that kind of money. And Susan and I were just praying, going, I don't know what to do. This whole time that this was going on, and, and for years past, I had been struggling with my father to forgive him for our past. I had been struggling really hard to forgive him for things that had happened in my past. I, I hated him. I didn't want anything to do with him. And it was just something that I was dealing with and not dealing with in a, in a very good way. So this fire came up in our life where it was like, we're struggling financially. We don't know what we're going to do, but we needed this car. And, and it got to a point where finally, for whatever reason, I decided I had to call my father. I didn't want to do it. Trust me, it was the last thing I wanted to do. So I called my father and he said, here, here's the situation. And I just explained it to him. And that was it. And that's, that's the only conversation I wanted with him. Hung up, and probably just a few days later, there's an envelope in the mail, and it's from my father. And I, I looked at it, and I remember pulling the check out. There was a check, and I saw $100. And I was just, like, amazed that my father would sit there and send me a check for $100 to help pay for our car that was going to be about $1,000 to fix. Well, I continued to pull the check out. And there was another zero on it. It was a $1,000 check that my father sent to pay to fix our car. That crushed me because I didn't want to forgive him. But it came to the point where he hit me to where I've got to do something. I've got to deal with this. And that was the time when, and, and it started, I, I, I wish I could just say at that moment, boom, woo, angels sang, and we just, you know, hugged, and everything was great. It took a little while, but that was a start of, I need to forgive my father. Because it wasn't doing anything to him that I wasn't forgiving him. It was doing it all to me. It was tearing me up. It wasn't tearing him up. And so when we look at that, um, a lot of times we go through these fires because God says, there's something that I want to burn. There's, there's something that's binding you up. There's the chains around you that, that he says, I want gone. See, as Christians, we're going to go through fires in our life. If you're a follower of Christ, don't think that you're going to go through life without dealing with fires. It's going to be part of our life. But when you go through the fires, the great thing about it is that God's right there in the midst of them. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into that furnace... God is right there in the midst of them, with them. When we go through the hard times and these fires in our lives, God's right there with us. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you and will neither fail you nor abandon you. God is going to go with us through whatever hard times that we go through, whatever the fires are that come in our lives, God's going to be there with us. If we sit there and say, I know who God is. I know that I'm a sinner. 
I know that I can't get to heaven because of anything that I've done, but only because of what God has done for me. It's the only way I can stand before God and be made right in God's eyes is because of what Christ did on the cross. And when we come to the point of knowing that, we know that when we go through these fires, that God is right there with us. So let's look quickly at some options we have when we go through these fires. We can compromise our faith to fit in with our culture. We go through the fires, we can compromise our faith. We can compromise what we believe to fit in with our culture. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they could have compromised and said, hey, we need to be a help to our Jewish people. We've got these high positions. What good are we if we're dead? So even though it's not right, we need it to survive and to help our people survive. They could have said, we're just trying to fit in and be relevant in our culture. So God will excuse us. Because we, we don't want people to think that we're better than they are, so we'll fit in with them. Or they could have said, hey, look, we're just going to look like we're worshiping, but we're not really going to worship. In our hearts, we're not worshiping the idol. We're going to worship God. So on the outside, it'll look like we're bowing down to the idol, but we're, in our hearts, we know that we're truly worshiping God. I picture that as like that kid who's sitting in the corner when he gets in trouble and, he, and he's sitting there and, and the parents say, you sit there. And all of a sudden you hear the kid mumble go, I may be sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. And we sit there and go, you idiot. But then we sit there and go, that's what God is probably looking at with us. When we sit there so many times and we compromise, we sit there and go, I, it may look like on the outside I'm compromising, but in, the, in my heart I'm not. So we can do that. Or we can sit there and say, we can bow. Like they could have bowed and said, I'm going to ask for forgiveness later. I'm just going to bow because I don't want to die and we'll just ask God to forgive us later. So that's one way that they could have done it. They could have compromised their faith in that way. Or they could choose to fight fire with faith. Just like um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we need to trust that God knows what he's doing even when it doesn't seem that way. Even when it seems like Everything's out of control, and it makes no sense whatsoever. I'm going through these flames. I'm going through these fires. God, what is going on? Knowing that God is in control. If our faith is in, in Christ is strong enough to meet the challenge of personal tragedy, if, is, is your faith, is my faith strong enough to when a tragedy comes in my life, I'm able to trust God in the midst of that? You pray for something, and it's not answered. You're criticized unfairly for something. You're threatened. You see someone that you look up to fall. Your health is taken. You're mocked because of what you believe in. You lose everything that you have. Whatever the fire is that you may go through, is your faith strong enough to say, I can still stand, knowing that God is in control and that he cares for me? We're going to close up a little different here. I'm going to have you watch a video here that kind of really summarizes everything that I've been saying, and hopefully maybe it's a little more clear. So let's watch this together.
They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now I'm losing back. Stood on this stage night after night, reminding the broken it'll be alright. But right now. There's nothing to bring me down. But what will I say when I'm held to the flame like I am right now? Say it only takes a little faith to move a mountain. Well, good faith, a little faith is all I have right now. God, when you choose to leave mountains unmovable, oh, give me the strength to be.
kind of sum it up. I love that song. So, we talk about going through the fire, and we talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They could have lost their life standing for what they believed in. And if, ever, if it ever came down to where we had to decide to, to, to lose our life because of what we believe in, I think Jim Elliott um, sums it up pretty well. He's a missionary. He went out, and he and his, his friends were killed by the, the people that he was working with and the, the tribe that he was tr- trying to share Christ with. And they ended up killing him. But this is one of the phrases that he said. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives up his life on this earth that we're not going to keep anyway. This life is a, is a vapor. And it's gone. To gain what he cannot lose. That life eternal that comes when we put our faith in Christ. Mark 8.35 says, If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Would you stand with me as we pray? Lord, thank you so much for all that you've blessed us with. Thank you for the fact that in the midst of our fires that we go through in our lives, that you're right there in the midst of them. We look at these three men in the book of Daniel and the strength they had to stand for what they knew was right. And the fact that when they were thrown in to that fire, Lord, you were right there with them, protecting them. But Lord, they also knew that even if you didn't, it wouldn't change their faith in you. I pray that we could have that strength as we go throughout this week, throughout this next month and next year and the the rest of our lives, to have the strength of knowing that you are a God who loves us and cares for us. And you've got a plan that may not make a lot of sense in our eyes, but Lord, that you want the best for us. And you're right there with us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.